welcome to Jurassic Park for a minute. We're discussing the second Jurassic Park sequel, One Minute at a Time. I'm Brad. I'm Dave. And today we're here to end out the week with Minute 67 of Jurassic Park 3. But before we get to that, David, this might be the uh, largest <laughs> article that I've found to date on uh, Jurassic-PD.com. It's a, uh, a full write-up on pretty much the history of Jurassic World uh, on Isla Nublar, going all the way back from its inception. Um, including a lot of the, uh, or all of the DPG stuff that sort of um, filled in a lot of the backstory as well. And it used to be larger. This was an <laughs> article that uh, we actually split off recently um, from the main Jurassic Park Isla Nublar website. I mean, I'm sorry, uh, article. It was basically a huge, huge article. We just had to split it up, and we uh, give thanks to Trodon Formosus for doing that for us. He's been a great help on this uh on, on the whole website, basically. <laughs> if, if it wasn't for him and everybody else working on it uh, for us, we basically wouldn't have the expansive website or expansive articles that we do. Mm. Yeah, there is there is a lot here. <laughs> um, just all the different different sectors of the um, the island, and of course each each of those, a lot of the um, items. Uh, start to have their own articles sort of added. Mm-hmm. Um, for instance, the sector one's got the ferry landing monorail, um, ferry landing station, and and the golf course. And they've all got their own articles so far, LinkedIn, and more uh, more articles will come online. But the uh, the website will feature the article that we're about to <laughs> report. <laughs> yeah, it's got the like you said, it's got the uh, sectors uh, areas with location. Um, with location lists, and that's pretty pretty much something that's um, standard to all of our location articles. Uh, Sorna has one, the Jurassic Park Nublar has one, and so basically it goes through all the various locations that uh, are in on the island under Jurassic World instead of under Jurassic Park and Jurassic World. Mm. Even um, even going any history and conception of Jurassic World, going all the way back to the uh, the disaster of Jurassic Park Three and um, Injun's failure to get Jurassic Park San Diego back up and all the uh, stuff with Maserani coming in. Um, well, arguably uh, the attempt at reintroduce at re um, whatever and whatever you call whatever you call the uh, that uh, Jurassic Park the Lost World little trip was. To bring back Jurassic Park as Jurassic Park San Diego, mm. that was basically the first iteration of Jurassic World. It was the first attempt to get back, get the park back on its feet, and as we saw in the second movie, a failure. Yep, yep. Uh, it's still scrolling down. There's <laughs> there's a lot of information here. Oh yeah. Rainy day on the weekend. Grab a cup of coffee or a hot 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 Milo and. Uh, or mm-hmm. hot chocolate, and um, head over to Jurassic-PD.com and have a, just have a read through because there's a lot of stuff here that's been been compiled onto this onto yeah. this article. Jurassicpedia basically tries to be the biggest, um, most comprehensive encyclopedia on the franchise. So this article is a great example of that. It basically it's very very comprehensive. Yep, yep. Oh, fantastic. It's great to see. Let's do this one at a time, shall we? 
All right, Dave, ready to get into minute 67? Yeah. As we're in minute 66 of Jurassic Park 3, Paul got one of the outboard motors going and started driving the boat down river. Up on the bow, Erica told Grant that he was sorry about Billy, and Grant realised that Billy was just Billy, you know, that he was young. As we start on minute 67, Grant tells Eric that he theorises there's two types of boys, one that wants to be an astronaut and one that wants to be an astronomer. The astronomer, or in this case the paleontologist, wants to study everything from safety, yet the astronaut wants to go into space, and Eric says he'd want to go to space too. Grant says it's the difference between seeing and being able to touch, and that's what Billy wanted. At the 35 second mark, an orange glow comes across Eric's face as he sees something wonderful on the riverbank. He slowly stands and softly says, Dr. Grant, and Alan stands with him and turns. At the 41 second mark, the Jurassic Park fame begins to play as we cut to a shot across the river as brachiosaurs graze on the riverbank. Stegosaurs are eating grass further away. Two parasolophers are making their way towards the river and an ankylosaur is drinking from the bank. At the 52 second mark, Paul leaves the console behind and stares out in amazement with Amanda at the site before them. And as the minute ends, the closest brachiosaur starts to walk along the riverbank and lowers its head towards the visitors that are drifting past. Uh, as we continue in the 67, Grant starts his theory on boys. I have a theory. There are two types of boys, those that want to be astronomers and those that want to be astronauts. The astronomer, the paleontologist, gets to study these amazing things from complete safety. Eric sort of catches on to what he's talking about here because he says, uh, but then you won't get to go into space. <laughs> and uh, Grant nods and says exactly. It's the difference between imagining, seeing, being able to touch them, um, and it's all that Billy wanted. Which, you can sort of take that back to, uh, to when Grant's on Nublar too, back in Jurassic Park, where all of a sudden he's the astronaut and not the mm -hmm. uh, astronomer. Yeah, that's true, and I was thinking basically how that's basically uh, Hammond's thing too. He, how mm. he was, how Billy is as, as the as the astronaut is basically Hammond as the astronaut. He wants to see and touch something that's actually real, you know, not just something that you can observe. Yeah, that that goes back to there as well. I, I didn't realize, I didn't remember that, but yeah. And it's sort of interesting, I've done a bit of a quick Google Google search on um, if uh, children still want to be astronauts, and surprisingly there was a study done, um, there's a link here to 14 News, when uh, the 5th anniversary of Apollo 11 came up last month, and uh, they'd done a bit of a survey between China, United Kingdom, and United States children, and some interesting results, uh, more would uh, prefer to be bloggers, or vloggers, or uh, YouTube personalities than um, astronauts now. Unless you're in Japan, where 56% of, uh, oh, not Japan, China, 56% of children in China still want to be an astronaut when they grow up, <laughs> compared to about uh, compared to about 11% in the United Kingdom and the same in America. So um, it's just a different, like a generation ago, that was completely the other way around, where going to space and being mm -hmm. an astronaut was the number one thing that uh, children wanted to grow up and be. But um, I wonder if that's more so the fact that America doesn't really have a space program at the moment with NASA and funding being pulled and all that, whereas China 
I think they're still planning on getting back to the moon next year or something. So, <laughs> of course, there's um, there's a whole industry there that children want to get into. But also, I think it has to do with the fact that the YouTube star is basically now the new instant celebrity. Whereas when when I was a kid, you basically, if you want to be the instant celebrity, you joined a boy band. <laughs> <laughs> and now now if you want to be an instant celebrity, you um you become you just uh, get on YouTube and start looking for things to uh trying everything to become that 15, 15 seconds of fame, you know? Yeah. I think it would be more fair to ask a question the question would you rather be a um movie star or a YouTube star or would you rather be a movie star or a astronaut? Because, I mean, basically, a YouTube star is this generation's movie star, you know? Mm, yeah. Yeah, and it's, it's a completely different tangent when we go down. Just uh, Even now, like so many people starting their own YouTube, we know last time Jay was on, he was talking about doing you know, videos and unboxings and that, and it's a very hard market to get into now. YouTube's changed all mm-hmm. their monetization, and so it's nowhere near as profitable as what it used to be. People that used to do it as a career mm-hmm. now have had to go out and get a job and do it part, to, <laughs> to do it as back as a hobby again. And podcasting sort of the same thing too. For the majority, and for us, like this is a hobby. We love the franchise and love who you're talking about, it, so it's fine. And whereas others, they they monetize, they have ads. <laughs> and it doesn't hurt that it. Uh, good resume building thing. I I won't deny I put this podcast on my resume just as an example of hey I've done radio. Look at me. Look at what I can do. Yeah. And yep. uh, hire me. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Yep. And that's we should have we should have shouted out at the start of the show. But um, Chartable, which we talked about a couple of weeks ago, where it um, shows me all the the international reviews and that sort of stuff, has us at thirty four. I can't remember now. Uh, has has thirty nine? You, you uh, oh, told top me. forty. Yeah, yeah. At number thirty nine in the US for uh, film reviews, which is amazing. Thank you to all the US listeners that, that have made that possible. Now that mm-hmm. top forty is a very very impressive listing. I mean, that's basically, or I mean, that would basically be on the radio if we were if they still did uh, podcasts on the radio. You know. In, yeah, insert Casey Kasem's top 40. <laughs> Here we go with another movie. Oh, I can't do it for the life of me. Um, so I'm not going to keep on doing it. But uh, yeah, that that's just coming from their website. Now it, it might be, it might not be accurate. I don't know. But um, looking at the uh, the Podbean downloads, we're definitely um, the US is our biggest listener. So and it's there's there's people everywhere. Uh, Germany, Norway, Japan. Hello everyone. It's it's a conversation of, I'd love to have. We know we know watching these films. We know what Sam Neill sounds like. We know what Roland Turnbow when he's doing that fantastic introduction in in um, the Lost World. It's just made so much better by um, Pete Possefleet, the actor, speaking in some of these countries where English isn't the first language and the films are dubbed at the cinema. It just it just sort of blows my mind that. Um, you're not hearing Sam Neill as Grant, or you're not hearing these actors in their own voice. You're hearing someone else speak for them in the uh, the language of the um, the country the movie's being released in. It just mm-hmm. it's amazing. Well, it's the same thing when you do um, like a lot of Godzilla movies are dubbed or subbed, and there's it's a uh, big argument in the Godzilla fandom. Whether do you prefer subtitles or do you prefer a dub? 
Yeah. And personally, I would prefer subtitles because it's more you get a more accurate sense of what they're saying than when they try to dub it into English and they just basically, a lot of times, they just change the sentence entirely. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, that's a good point. Looking at that other way, as I used to watch Dragon Ball Z as a, as a teenager and still watch some episodes every now and then. And same thing there, like you're hearing the voice of the actors and that's all been dubbed for up for the western western release so i can definitely mm-hmm. see you see your point there but i think that's a big enough tangent <laughs> for all that um it, there's not a lot happening this minute so we did need to pad that a little bit but uh back on the boat suddenly we get a production light shine in eric's face and uh the score starts to change as eric sees something wonderful up ahead and i say uh i say production light or stage light because Behind Grant, you can see the foliage is still dark, so I'm not quite sure where this sun, sunlight's coming from. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, he slowly stands and says, Dr. Grant, and then we cut back to a shot from the other side of the riverbank, seemingly, and the boat sort of comes out from behind a cluster of trees, which are in the open, so there should have been light on them before, but um, as the boat drifts downstream, we can see several animals grazing up on the grassy plain. Yeah, we've... Um, the main animal here we see, which we talked a lot about uh, back in early minutes with the plane flyover, is this uh, Brachiosaurus, which a lot different colour uh, than what, we, what we're what used to. Mm-hmm. Now, personally, I always felt that this Brachiosaur here was the male, and that the red crest, because it's a very, there's a variation in the how much red crest is actually, uh, or how much red is on the crest of some of these animals. Some of them have very little, some of them have a lot. Mm. And I just thought that it was kind of like big bighorn rams, where you um, some have very big horns and are more dominant in the herd than others. And I always felt that, um, like the one we get here with the with the lot of red is seeing uh, getting the uh, good pick of the water is the alpha male, where you can see that he's it's basically a bachelor herd. Yeah, a lot of elephant, a lot of. Uh, that's real well known with elephants, where they kick the where the females kick the males out of the herd at a certain once they reach puberty, and basically they form their own herd of all males. Yeah, well, that was going to be the question here because we got the the big one close to the bank here, and there's another one off to the left, sort of grazing from a tree, and one further off in the distance too, and they all seem to be the same color, that green mm-hmm. pattern. You obviously can't see how, or can't see the color of the heads on most of them just because of the... Well, I can't in this photo anyway because of the size of it, but as the boat sort of drifts down, we do get a fourth one as well, so mm-hmm. there are there are a few here. and Yeah, I've, I've always thought that, yeah, definitely gone for that male. We've seen different colorization than what we had earlier with mm-hmm. the females in Jurassic Park. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you've got some of the other species in here as well. I think it's interesting you have like a teenage um, Stegosaurus, and it's kind of bulky kind of somewhat like the baby mm. and it's uh plate pad it's plate shape isn't the same as the adults that are behind it no it doesn't look as pointy no they're not there's not they're more they're more rounded and not as triangular yeah yeah and i remember and i remember on uh just park legacy there was another little thing that happened i remember that um if you look at the Brachiosaurus in the back behind the Parasaurolophus, it the model deforms. It's kind of funny because it 
for a split second, it becomes an apatosaurus. These <laughs> <laughs> guys, this is an apatosaurus with splayed legs. Oh, wow. I'm just going through the screenshots. Yeah. That's interesting. <laughs> um, I also, too, you, you mentioned the parasol office. Um, in the, um, in the script, no, where is it down there? Oh, yeah, in the script, it, um, it says that there's duck-pilled, um, help me out there, Cory, Cory for sores? Cory? Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, they're, um, but these are definitely parasol office here, aren't they? Yeah, they're the green ones that we saw among the herd, uh, earlier in the movie. Hmm. And as the um as the boat drifts down a little bit further here too, we get the um the two an- or one ankylosaur drinking from the river, and the other one sort of walking back up um, away from the banks. Which again, we sort of mentioned back when we seen those in the jungle, just how the deep red and the different color, the different contrasting colors between them and not the mm-hmm. brachiosaurs here and the, the stegosaurs we get, because the stegosaurs are pretty much that classic green we've seen in the Lost World. Yeah. And it's interesting because uh, those ankylosaurs, before the scene was going to end, I guess they kind of decided it would be better to end it on the uh, brachiosaurus roaring at the camera. But those ankylosaurs were to cross the river and splash everybody as they um, as they moved across. There's still CG uh, models for it, but they're left unfinished. Oh, wow. <laughs> and interestingly, in concept art for... Uh, this movie, or I'm mean, for the scene where the barge is going down the river, you can actually see it's almost looks like something out of Jurassic World where the brachiosaurus enter the river and they're and they're the boat just quietly glides past them. But in the uh, background of the concept art, off to the side, you can see three spinosaurus. So the spin the one spinosaurus wasn't going to be a solo act in this movie. Huh, that's interesting. Yeah. It would it'd make it makes sense why it keeps on coming back at certain points in the film, if it was the same creature, if it was obviously more than one. Because mm-hmm. that gets me into another question too. Do you think we're back in the same area that they flew over in the plane, or is there just a lot of brachiosaurs on this island? And there might just be a lot of brachiosaurus. It could be the. I don't think it's the area they flew over in the plane because we didn't see a river area in that uh, yeah, in that point. part. Yeah. But in, but um. Interestingly, it's actually the same area that they pass when they're when the stampede happens. You can see the same the same mountain range behind them <laughs> behind them as when they were running into the uh, wood running running into the forest. Interestingly, this is uh, filmed on Jurassic Kahili no yeah Jurassic Kahili Ranch on Kauai, and so it's also the same place where. Um, we get that first herd shot in Jurassic World. Mm. You can if you if you look uh, if you look for it, this this um, mountain range is so far in three of the five movies. It's <laughs> the first movie you can see it behind Grant when he gets um, when he stands up in the jeep when he sees the Brachiosaurus. It's in the third movie he, uh, several times, including this scene, and then it's in the fourth movie. Mm-hmm. It's not in. The, I don't believe it's in the fifth movie. I, they didn't. They didn't return to Kauai for that movie. So, yeah, it's in three of the five movies across two islands. <laughs> and interestingly, not um, not as much recognized by fans and others as Galmamus Valley. <laughs> yeah, unfortunately. So I always personally preferred uh, 
Jurassic Kahili Ranch just because I thought it was more pretty. Yeah. And it was where the um, where we first ever saw Brachiosaurus in the movies. Well, it makes sense for an open plain with herbivores, this grass and the um, the, the stands of trees sort of on the sides where like we mentioned back when we'd done the flyover, it almost looked like the fences had been <laughs> CG'd out of where, um, where this ranch would be an active ranch and you'd have cattle here instead of the mm-hmm. herbivores. But it just, and it is an active ranch. Yeah, yeah. It just makes more sense for a dinosaur park for uh, Nublar and here where you're going to have more animals in these open plains than you are on extremely mm-hmm. rocky volcanic cliffs <laughs> i kind of felt that they utilized too much um vol- volcanic mountains in the new movie yeah or in the movies i should say yeah yeah especially sauna if you're gonna have um if you can have the rocky rim around the outside as a barrier like you did in the novel then it's fine but considering um all the all that stuff's supposed to be interior <laughs> interior shots of the island there's like we've we've been over this before. There's a there's a high percentage of the island that's not usable because of the um because of the mountain ranges. But I also love here too. We get the birds back. We get a couple of flocks of those yeah. white birds. Yeah, actually, on the Jurassic Pedia um article, this is the this is the scene I screen capped those white birds out of. Yep. <laughs> for the because uh, it's basically the best shot that we ever get of the white birds in any of these movies. Hmm. Yeah, when um when the spinosaur comes out of the jungle chasing them, it's pretty quick. They sort of flock in or flutter into the air pretty quickly, and you don't really get a it's hard to get a screen cap. Yeah. Paul and Amanda sort of notice what's going on here as well as we get that JP theme come in and play pretty strong. Which if you're going to mm-hmm. put in the movie, this is where it should be. <laughs> not um not with a parasail going up in the air. <laughs> <laughs> but um that's when we get the second ankylosaur sort of walk up the bank and. Uh, that big brachiosaur, the closest one, sort of notices the boat and starts to follow him along the river. And next minute, we'll get it looked down and say hello to him. But mm-hmm. going over the script and novel comparisons, um, Eric asks Grant if he has any kids, and Grant replies, "No, but I've studied them in the wild." And <laughs> Eric looks over, not knowing what that means. Which do we think that's that's Jurassic Park or Ellie's child? I think well, that's meant to be both. Yeah. Well, this child be too young. He wouldn't. He wouldn't know what an astronomer or an astronaut is at that stage. Yeah. Like, but uh, when when Grant says there's two types of boys, um, as he does in the film, before he starts the second part, Eric responds that I want to be the astronaut, and um, Grant continues. See, I was the opposite. I never understood why anyone would want to go into space. It's so dangerous. Um, you do one thing wrong and you're dead. The astronomer, the paleontologist. Say, that's me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm quite happy sitting here watching Gravity from my TV and not being up there. <laughs> <laughs> well, the other thing is, I do not care for roller coasters whatsoever. No. You basically have to be a big roller coaster fan to get to go into space. I do not have the stomach for any of that at all. <laughs> no. Uh, yeah, uh, Grant continues, the astronomer, or the, parent, the, the paleontologist, um, get to study these amazing things from the place of complete safety and truthfully everything you need to learn you can learn it from the ground which it's just adds a little bit more to uh, what's Grant's saying there um, and that's when Eric says uh, but you'd never go into space and Grant gets uh, replies as we do in the film but 
As the uh, barge begins to round a bend uh, and Eric sees something amazing ahead, Grant continues, I can't blame people who made this island, but I can blame the people who want to see it. <laughs> no, sorry. I can blame the people who made this island, but I can't blame the people who want to see it, which sort of goes back to that that whole um, lecture at the start of the film where everyone's saying, we mm-hmm. just want to go and see it, to study it. Um, that's when Paul sees what's coming up ahead and motions for Amanda to take a look. And now everyone sees... So we get the setting sun, which um, illuminates an incredible valley filled with dinosaurs. Uh, we get armored ankylosauruses with their club tails, um, the duck-billed Chorothosaurus, <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> and we float under the gigantic arching necks of 80-foot brachiosaurs, which I don't know why they'd have their arching necks across the river unless males are on one side and females are on the other. It, it seems I was a little bit they were eating the uh, trees that are on the other side that are oh, on yes. the uh, river other side of the river, you know? Yeah, yeah. It sounds a lot lean before time to me. <laughs> sort of one of those things. And it, I don't know how they would have been able to do that of having a valley, especially when you're in a boat at the base of a valley. Um, unless you could see up up sort of one wall of the valley with the uh, the fields extending off but um, with the mist from the river and the play of light, um, they're witnessing a kind of primeval Eden, which, interesting here, we've still got the mist sort of coming up lightly from the river as well, which, as mm-hmm. if it's getting later in the day, then, yeah, that afternoon mist would be starting to come in. Um, and then Grant sort of continues, how's the boy supposed to resist this? <laughs> which just, of course, of course, seeing this, no one's going to want to be the astronomer. They're going to be the astronaut and want to see themselves. I I'd want to see it myself. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I thought it was just a good little, good little thing for Grant to add. But um, in the novel, pretty much get exactly the same as we do in the script and the film. It's just sort of jumbled around a bit more in a little bit different order. So, uh, Dave, that's 67. We're done for the mm-hmm. week. Yeah. If you want to get a hold of us, you can email us at lostworldminute.com. The main website is jurassicminutes.wordpress.com and you can find... The Lost World Minutes and Jurassic Minutes over on Facebook with the uh, pages there. David, where are we on Twitter and Instagram? Uh, Twitter, we are at Jurassic Minute. Uh, Instagram is the Jurassic Minutes Podcast. Some of the worst things imaginable have been done with the best intentions. This is how you make dinosaurs? This is how you play God. If we split up, I'm going with you guys. Dinosaurs lived 65 million years ago. What is left of them is fossilized in the rocks. And it is in the rock that real scientists make real discoveries. Now what John Hammond and InGen did at Jurassic Park is create genetically engineered theme park monsters. Nothing more and nothing less. Uh, Are you saying that you wouldn't want to get onto Isla Sorna and study them if you had the chance? No force on earth or heaven. Get me on that island. You desky. Hello? Charlie! Charlie! Hello? Charlie, take the phone to mommy now! Take the phone to mommy! It's the it's the dinosaur there! Okay.